1: To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect.
2: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff
0: Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Caroline. And I'm Kristen. Kristen, I like some soy products. Mm-hmm. I, I stay away from soy milk just because it kind of icks me out because really it's kind of like bean juice. If uh-huh. you think about it, it's not really milk, it's juice. Tasty from beans. bean juice. But I, I do like uh, tofu. I yeah. do cook with it, make stir fry. Um, But I don't know if you're aware of the controversy surrounding soy, that if you read anything about uh, consuming soy... Mm-hmm. All of it conflicts with each other. Sometimes it can prevent cancer. Sometimes it causes cancer, just depending on what study you're reading. It's very confusing. Sometimes it'll lower your sperm count. Sometimes it'll
1: treat your testicles just fine. <laughs> yes. It's a grab bag of study findings. And to answer your question, Caroline, no. Until I i think I had maybe heard here and there little bits and pieces about uh, these soy health findings, but had not really taken a close look at it until... You brought this question up. And the reason why we wanted to talk about soy today, because we don't do that much around food, but because the results are so, these health results are so gendered, and we have some surprising facts about how much soy all of us are ingesting in the United States. And I I just
0: want to go ahead and say at the beginning that, you know, it's different for everyone. Just everything in moderation, Mm -hmm. whether you're eating cake or whether you're eating tofu, it should all be in moderation. And so while some studies have shown that eating soy can lower cholesterol and the risk for certain types of cancer, researchers aren't exactly sure an increased soy intake is better for everyone. Mm -hmm. So just keep that in mind as you're listening. We're all different. You know, maybe increased or decreased soy intake could affect people differently.
1: Yeah, and I think by the end of this podcast, we will all be able to agree that when it comes to... Uh, science headlines, medical headlines. It is important to take it with a grain of table salt. Right. Iodized. Uh, yes. <laughs> table salt. So let's, let's get into this. because right. We got a, we got a lot of ground to cover.
0: hmm. Um, soy contains a hormone called phytoestrogen. Mm-hmm. Actually, it contains, to be more specific, uh, isoflavonoids, which are metabolized in our guts and become phytoestrogens. Now you can kind of compare phytoestrogen to naturally occurring mammalian estrogen, mm-hmm. but, um, one author actually compared phytoestrogens to private jets. Have you heard this, this metaphor? I have. If
1: you, if you imagine, um, our bodies as a giant airport, I <laughs> guess, um, estrogens are these jumbo jets that will fly in and out and, enact in, in so, all sorts of um, behavioral and physiological and biological things in our bodies. Um, and phytoestrogens, because they can bind to receptor sites in um, our bodily enzymes where normally estrogen would would fill the gap. Mm-hmm. They Doctors think that phytoestrogens can tinker with how um, normal estrogen is released and absorbed into our bodies. So while the Estrogens might be the jumbo jets. Uh, the phytoestrogens would be more like private planes just blocking up the runway. They're not as large. They're typically described as very weak. Mm-hmm. Um, estrogen mimics, but nevertheless, they do seem to have some kind of interaction with um, binding with those estrogen agonists.
0: Right. They have a phenolic ring, which is a prerequisite for binding to the estrogen receptor. And so this leads to the phytoestrogens being able to act as estrogen agonists. Mm -hmm. In other words, binding to a receptor and then triggering a response or antagonists, which blocks the binding of an agonist.
1: Yeah. And all of this interaction with estrogen is the reason why. A lot of researchers since the early 2000s have been looking into the health effects of regularly consuming a lot of soy. Because as we'll get into later, we eat a lot of soy. I don't care if you don't make tofu stir-fry like Caroline or eat edamame. When you get your sushi, you're still eating a lot of soy. Right. Just take my word for it. So the reason why we often hear about soy and breast cancer is because there's a connection between estrogen and rates in a woman's body and her chances of breast cancer in a nutshell the higher estrogen the body releases the higher the chances of developing breast cancer so some studies have said well if you eat all this soy and these phytoestrogens are going in and blocking those estrogen receptors not allowing them to bind and release then it could serve as a protective kind of barrier to developing breast cancer.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there are a couple of studies that talk about this, several actually, but two that, that I want to mention are um, there's a study in the Journal of Nutrition um, of Asian people in Asian countries as opposed to Asian people who come to the West, who mm-hmm. immigrate to the West. Um, they're found to have much lower incidence of prostate and breast cancer than the populations from Western developed countries, they tend to have diets that are lower in fat, higher in fiber, and much higher in phytoestrogens from soy intake. Um, and it's possible that this contributes, this diet, not only the phytoestrogens and soy, mm-hmm. but the low fat and the high fiber contribute to fewer uh, reports of cancer. Um, and Dr. Neil Bernard, um, who wrote an article for the Huffington Post called Settling the Soy Controversy, Um, talked about a 2008 study by the University of Southern California that found women who average a cup of soy milk or about half a cup of tofu a day have about a 30% less risk of developing breast cancer. So it's sort of... There's a lot of conflicting information out there that the estrogens can get all this stuff pumping in your body and cause problems. But then there are also these studies that point out, well, I don't know, it could benefit you. It could help you.
1: Yeah, and if we look at menopause, for instance, mm-hmm. um, there have been studies suggesting that soy products uh, for women who don't want to go the hormonal route as they go through menopause, uh, some have suggested that soy products could be an effective substitute for treating the symptoms of menopause. Then, come around to August of this year, the New York Times reports on a study, a double blind study, um, that found that women in the soy group had ingested about 20 times as much soy as those taking the placebo, and yet the researchers found no significant differences in bone density, night sweats, insomnia, loss of libido, vaginal dryness, hot flashes, and especially with the hot flashes, there were other studies that we had seen previously that had said, hey women going through menopause experiencing hot flashes guzzle that soy milk you'll be fine
0: right but a lot of the studies i noticed were from the mid to late 90s mm-hmm. so it seems that we've made we we like i've been researching this you know and contributing to the science wearing our lab coats community i mean we do wear lab coats when we record this <laughs> podcast by yes. the way um but yeah it seems like the the trend in more recent research is that um it sort of seems to be contradicting earlier research. Yeah. So now, oh my gosh, it can protect us against breast cancer, whereas before, well, I don't know, it could cause breast cancer. And now it seems to be saying, oh, uh, sorry, menopausal ladies, you're out of luck. Yeah. I mean,
1: cancer will happen, menopause will happen, death eventually yeah. after all of that. Uh, good luck. It does seem like, yeah, you go from the alarmist headlines to uh, kind of a, a tapering off. And when we get into men's health mm-hmm. when it comes to soy, similar kinds of things uh <laughs> men's health magazine actually did an article a few years ago on um, on soy's effects in the male body and who wow they were Terrified of soy. Yeah. They started out by discussing cases of gynecomastia, um, in, in men, basically these men who had developed abnormal breast tissue. And lo and behold, they were drinking a ton of soy milk and were taking dietary supplements with soy milk in it. And again and again throughout this article, it was, um, kind of all of these anecdotal examples, study examples of how, these phytoestrogens mm-hmm. as you might imagine could be having this these physiologically feminizing effects on men and so their big headline was you know oh no soy right soy sorry i think was what so, it what really yes yeah,
0: um soy. well you know going back to something i mentioned earlier and and a doctor points this out too it, it's all very individual i mean the the man that they were talking to who experienced all this b- breast growth and breast tenderness um It's That's not going to happen for all men. Just because you're a man and you like tofu and edamame and drinking soy milk, it doesn't mean you're going to have abnormal breast development. And a doctor uh, in the article said, the problem is when a thing like soy is touted as this wonderful panacea for health and people end up going overboard on it. Right. So it's the same thing. It might not affect you the same way it'll affect your friends, but you also don't want to start chugging soy milk. Um, the man in the article, uh, it talked about how, um, after his wife passed away, he was looking to have a healthy diet, Mm -hmm. um, because he didn't have someone cooking for him anymore. And so he was looking to do the right thing for his body. Yeah. And he ended up just ingesting so much of it that it had negative effects.
1: Um, and along with that, you know, we have the breast tissue development and then, um, some studies. Uh, finding a connection between soy intake and lowered sperm count mm-hmm. in men. And also there was one, um a 10% higher incidence of erectile dysfunction in Chinese men who were consuming high amounts of soy compared to Americans who avoided it. So again, there were all of these headlines in Scientific American and other publications saying, well, you know, maybe guys shouldn't, shouldn't be eating all of this, uh, this soy either. But again, I mean, if you think about all of the different lifestyle factors that go into an individual's health outlook, Mm -hmm. isolating it down to one particular nutrient that has now been found to have just a grab bag of effects in various people seems a little sketchy.
0: Right. Um, yeah, the, speaking of Scientific American, a 2009 article, um, said that animal studies using soy, uh, suggested eating large amounts of estrogenic compounds, such as the isoflavones we mentioned, um, might reduce fertility, trigger premature puberty, disrupt development of fetuses and children, mm-hmm. um, although, they followed this up by saying long term, more long term studies are needed. Right. Um, so it just sounds like, oh my God, soy has all these terrible effects. But a lot of, uh, study authors and journalists out there are saying that so much of this evidence is just inconclusive, mm-hmm. that more studies need to be done, just like we said. And one point that I wanted to make about all these studies that
1: we should also keep in mind, um, is Caroline, you mentioned that, um, some of these studies used Rats, like mm-hmm. rodents to, uh, to test, um, the effects of soy, which is not uncommon. Obviously in, in medical research, rats are, um, are very necessary for that. But just because, um, it's, it's sometimes a big leap to extrapolate effects in rodents to say adult humans. Mm-hmm. Just something else to keep in mind.
0: Right. Uh, the Journal of Nutrition in 1995 broke down the potential roles of phytoestrogens, and I think it illustrates perfectly how unclear some research can be. Mm-hmm. Um, the authors described uh, phytoestrogens as estrogen agonists whose actions could prove beneficial to menopausal women, like we talked about, but might contribute to carcinogenesis. They also describe them as anti-estrogens and anti-proliferative agents that could help to prevent estrogen-dependent carcinoma by antagonizing estrogen, again, like we talked about, but could also <laughs> contribute to infertility by suppressing normal reproductive function. And last but not least, phytoestrogens uh, offer protection against environmental estrogens by altering the steroid response thresholds, but... They could also be considered developmental toxins that could disrupt sexual differentiation by altering sex specific patterns of development. So naturally that leads people to worry about infants drinking soy mm-hmm. formula. Although, um, many pediatric, uh, <laughs> authorities in the pediatric community have come out and said, no, I mean, it's, it's fine. Mm-hmm.
1: And not to mention all of the (laughs) hormone disrupting chemicals that are not in our foods that we are um, getting into our bodies through um, chemicals in cleaning products and bathroom products. Yeah, plastic. Plastic. Teflon, stuff like that. I mean, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a dangerous world out there. Gosh. (laughs) Golly. Um, but here's, here's the thing about soy. And this was an, to underscore one reason why it is important to educate ourselves about it, because like I said, it does not matter if you don't like the tofu, mm-hmm. if you don't like the, uh, the edamame or the soy milk, the bean juice, as you call it, mm-hmm. uh, because as Michael Pollan, the author of Indefensive Food and the Omnivore's Dilemma, points out, he says that Americans are eating even more soy products than ever before, more than the Japanese or the Chinese do because of subsidies on these huge soybean farms in uh, American and South American farms. That is basically that uh, the food industry is having to put into so many of the manufactured products in our refrigerators and on our tables in the same way that high fructose corn syrup is not so much of the food we eat today as well.
0: Yeah, so speaking of groups of people who have a lot of soy in their diet, um, one study focused on elderly men and women in Indonesia who'd presumably been consuming soy and phytoestrogens for years. The mm-hmm. assumption uh, was that they'd be super healthy and have great memories. They would have had reaped all these benefits from eating a soy-heavy diet. And uh, participants over age 68 who regularly ate the most tofu actually had double the risk of dementia and memory impairment. As those consuming a more moderate amount. And that led researchers to think, well, okay, let's focus then on just hormones and hormone-like products in the elderly. Right. So it, you know, different, different effects. And again, you have to think of correlation causation.
1: Surely, you know, could it, could it really be the tofu that is causing dementia? Or is it simply a corollary factor? And Michael mm-hmm. Pollan, um, brings this up, uh, you know, he points out that basically like, yeah, these phytoestrogens may have, a, a bad effect. They might have a good effect for that reason. At least at the time that he was writing this, I think this was a couple of years ago. Um, he was saying that the FDA has declined to grant the grass or generally regarded as safe status to soy isoflavones used as a food additive, that doesn't mean that it's banned from from being in there. They just don't have that um, that general stamp of approval. And then he goes on to cite a senior scientist at the FDA's National Center for Toxicological Research, who said that confidence that soy products are safe is clearly based more on belief than hard data. So, um, <laughs> what's the what's the net net of all of these, all of these studies, all of this research on soy that is really in So much of what we eat, especially processed food.
0: I think, I think a good takeaway is that, I mean, not to not to get all luxury here, but eat a balanced diet. (laughs) I mean they one one uh one article I was reading was talking about how if you're a vegetarian, it doesn't mean you only have to eat soy products all day long all the time right you know there's the Mediterranean diet which is a lot of pasta, fresh vegetables, beans, fruits, olive oil mm-hmm. that has great benefits, but it's you know don't totally cut tofu and soy products out of your diet. it's all just a matter of balance,
1: yeah, and uh uh to sum it up, going back again to pollen um one of like his, his famous lines is, I think it's, uh, eat food, mostly vegetables in moderation. Right. And there you go. Mm-hmm. So I- anyone out there though who has some insight on this soy issue mm-hmm. and like the sort of the gendered effects, health effects of soy, please let us know. Our email address is momstuff at howstuffworks.com. And we got a couple emails here for you. <laughs>
0: Kristen, this one is from Jacqueline. She says, My sisters and I participated in one baby pageant when we we were less than a year old. A local store donated our outfits. Our mom isn't normally the type of person to put her children in pageants, but her friends and family pushed her into it. The reason? We are a set of identical triplets. My family thought it would be hilarious to enroll three matching babies. We didn't place, which is probably a good thing. I really think the child beauty pageant thing is a little sick. She goes on to talk about the roller derby podcast, and she said that her sister, she and her sister joined a local derby team, Little City Roller Girls. I shared your podcast with the team, and they loved it. Whenever we drive to away bouts, we listen to you on the road. She says she is a super fan and listens to every episode. Thanks, Jacqueline. Thank you,
1: Jacqueline. Um, and here I have an email from Mariana, and this is a little bit of a critique. Of our episode about pregnancy tests, we were talking about um, the self exam, self pregnancy test with the mm. with a speculum. Yeah. Mm. And uh, she says, while I disagree with the idea that pregnancy that pregnancy tests are anti-feminist. I do strongly believe that people in general and women in particular are far too distant from their own bodies. We know what's going on in our computers, in our cars, in our phones, but we rarely look at or into our own body." I think you should both be careful about communicating positive messages about women's bodies, including the quote unquote scary genital area. I think the show does a lot to help women become aware of their bodies, but it would be good to hear that the hosts are at least open to the idea of taking a look at your vagina now and then, even if they don't actually do it themselves.
0: I will have you know, I know what my vagina looks like. (laughs) I have looked at it in a mirror. I am very familiar with it, All I right. assure you. And on that
1: note, <laughs> our email address is MomStuff at HowStuffWorks.com. You can also find us over on Facebook and at Twitter at MomStuffPodcast. And you can look at our blog, read it, more I like during the week, Stuff Mom Never Told You at HowStuffWorks.com.
2: Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join House Stuff Works staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. The House Stuff Works iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring
1: To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee. Sounds
2: perfect. This episode is brought to you by Pedigree. If you've been looking for love at first sight, it is closer than you think. It can be found at your local shelter. So this June 7th to 9th, join the Pedigree Adoption Drive and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Pedigree knows that bringing a dog into your home not only opens their heart, it can open yours too. Visit pedigree.com adoption dash
1: drive to learn more about the adoption drive and to see full terms and conditions.